Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. Yeah. Praise the Lord. Thank you. Man, we're so happy you're here. Youth, anyone through 6th through 12th grade, would you go back there and join Miss Jennifer there? She's going to take you down for your service. Going to do a couple things here to let you know that uh, if you have a car here and you normally leave it and go somewhere, don't leave it today. Uh, we need you to park it in the very back. Any cars that are coming back for the blessing today, we need to park in the very back parking lot or back here behind the building. All this is going to be reserved for bikes and the different stuff that is happening today. We will do the setup at 3 o'clock today. At the end of this service, we are going to stack chairs and put them against that wall, leaving the plugs open uh, because we're going to be uh, doing some stuff. But everything else is going to be set up at 3 o'clock. So if you'd like to join us then to help set up, you can. The event's from 4.30 to 7.30. want you to be here. We're expecting great things from God as we go through this afternoon and the things that he is all about. If you pre-ordered shirts, they're available over there in that corner. If you did not pre-order shirts, you can next year because we don't have that ability now. You can buy the leftover t-shirts out there. We always buy extra for people who want t-shirts. Uh, but if you didn't sign up and register for the event tonight and you're going to be here, we would very much appreciate you signing up and grabbing a wristband so that you're ready to go tonight. That's your ticket to everything. Everything is free. We just want you to be here. Please bring some friends, uh, neighbors, whoever, and come on out and join us. It's going to be an awesome time. It's not just for motorcycles. Motorcycles are here. It's all about God and about Jesus Christ, but it's also that we might have a fellowship time together, and that's what it's all about. It's going to be a blast. Come and join us. Baptism is scheduled for October 22nd. If you have not been baptized or you were baptized and you know that your heart wasn't in it or right, please sign up to be rebaptized. You can do that online at our website. You can also scan those QR codes. That'll take you to our uh, app, and you can do it there. We also have a Jericho Tucson prayer ride coming October 28th. That'll be around the city of Tucson. More information will follow. We're waiting until after the blessing to get more info out. We are going to have a prayer to ride to the village of Oak Creek. It's an overnight thing, November 10th, Friday, Saturday the 11th, and we come back for services to be here for Sunday. And if you want to drive a vehicle up there, you're welcome to. Uh, we want everybody to do it. You need to reserve a room now because they are going fast. And uh, they may not be any around there, but you can find something or sleep in your vehicle, whatever you desire. We just want you to be there. Just spend at least five minutes a day, five days last week, reading or listening to God's Word. If you did, please say yes. And if you haven't, please start doing it. Did you spend some time alone with God this week with no agenda of your own? Do you know what the Holy Spirit's saying to you? Are you giving as God has asked you to give in your time, your talents, and your resources? Yes. All right, did you share Jesus with someone this week? Yes. He loves you, you know, and he loves them. We'll talk a little bit about that as we go along. Did you invite someone to church with you today? Yes. Did you invite someone to the blessing today? Yes. Do it. Let's go. All right, so let's get after it. Last week we looked at, uh, you know, the fact that we are perched and ready for revival. We absolutely are. In the church, in our city, our state, and our country, and a global revival, I believe in my entire life, uh, which I'm 60, I'll be 61 soon, um, as I traveled through my life, I can tell you right now that I have never been in a place where I would say we are more ready for revival than we are today. And I am super excited about where we are and what is about to happen. Seriously, as jacked up as everything is, that's the point. Now let's move on and see what God is doing, right? In our study of biblical and, uh, you know, more modern history revivals, there's been great awakenings that sucked the world. We talked about that last week, and uh, the message was about that to stir us and to see that our obedience is critical, right? We all know that. 
We're all stepping into it. That wasn't an action step that I asked or questions I should say today, but I'm asking you now. You're stepping into it, right? We're ready to do this? All right. So when we look at those and we've studied all the biblical, um, both Old and New Testament revivals that happened where it's an awakening, a stirring, a God movement where people come to faith, those types of events that we looked at, when we look at it, there are several consistencies that exist that come to the forefront. And so studies have been done of all this stuff. And we shared this with you last week, but it's important that I do it again today because we need to make sure that we hear this, see this, and understand what's going on. The number one thing that was present and most reoccurring in all of these revivals or moves of God is, number one, they occurred in times of moral darkness and national depression. Church, look around you. There is moral darkness everywhere. People have rejected God. They don't listen to God. They're doing their own thing, and they are living in moral darkness. And as a result of all that is going on around us, there is national depression happening in the United States of America. And I believe it's happening worldwide, not just in the United States of America. And so we look at that. It's like, look, man, then if we just look at that and we study that in the past, we know that we're ready. It can happen because we meet that right there. The second thing is each revival awakening began in the heart of a consecrated servant of God who became the energizing power behind it. I want you to know, I want you and I to volunteer to God and say, we'll do it. All right, I've already told them, I'm all in. If you can use me, use me. If I can ignite a fire for the glory of God and it would sweep the globe, that would be incredible. God, I am like a nobody and nothing. I'm the perfect candidate. Use me. But I want you to know, church, that it's not just pastors or political leaders that God uses. If you study the awakenings of the past, there are people like the one we looked at last week, Nehemiah, and he's looking at him in our devotions, I should say, going along. But Nehemiah was not a political leader. He was not a priest. He was not a prophet. He was a man of God. And God used him to completely change his nation. I'm just telling you, if you are available, God will use you. And he's desiring to use us to bring about a move of God. Are you available? I mean, it's right there, man, right? Okay, so see, we're looking at this. There's national depression. There's moral darkness. We have people that are willing to be used, and God says, I want to use you. And as we look at the other, the next thing on the list, every revival rested on the word of God. And, the, and they were the result of proclaiming God's word with power. So here's the deal. There's, we're not the only church in Tucson preaching God's word, and I know that, and I don't even think that. But there's a lot of churches that are not preaching God's word. Right here in Tucson, across our country, around the world, I've had people come to me that moved here to Tucson, and it's like, we were trying to find a church that preached the word of God, and I'm like, well, what are they preaching? What in the world are we doing if we're not preaching God's word? What are we preaching there's something wrong in the church if we're not preaching God's word, because if we're just going there for talks every Sunday, good grief, I'll sleep in. <laughs> it's pointless. If it's not God's word being proclaimed, there's nothing being proclaimed. We need to run from places like that. We need to pray for them and that God would move, but don't in any way, shape, or form be a part of a church that does not proclaim the word of God. Goodness me, man, what a mess. Number four, all resulted in return to the worship of God, of course. Come on. It's like, man, we realize, well, you're God and I'm not. And we begin to worship him because we see who he is when we turn to him. And he's amazing. 
Oh, yeah. The next one is each witness the destruction of idols where they existed. Now, we talked about this. We go home to our house. We get the junk out of there that's separating us from God. God said, I'm a jealous God. I have no one else before me. Therefore, whatever is between us and God needs to go. There needs to be a removal of that stuff. In every revival, the people return to obeying God's laws. Yeah, obedience, right? There was a restoration of great joy and gladness. Yeah, you think God takes the darkness away and he brings light. That for it brings joy and gladness to us. Man, drive down Speedway after dark and look at the darkness. I'm not talking about the light. I'm talking about the darkness that's roaming the streets. It's all over, man. And I'm not talking about the homeless. That's there. I'm talking about the darkness. The Word of God tells us that there is darkness. And we are the light. And so when we step into that relationship with God, we see that light and there is joy and gladness. The last one is each revival was followed by a period of national prosperity, which, man, we screw that up every time, don't we? When God blesses us, we get lost in our blessings and forget about them. We already look at that. It's a biblical fact. It's what's happened in our own country. We got so self-conscious and so self-aware and so self-driven that we forgot about God. It's crazy. Well, our country's a mess. If you don't know that already, we are. The world's a mess. Got a war over there in Russia and Ukraine. Now Israel gets attacked, and we need to pray and ask God to help Israel and strengthen them, and that our nation, thank God that our president did the right thing and backed up Israel, and that's what we have to do. God's word tells us that. We have got to stand with God's people, Israel. I don't care whatever political other ideas we have, read your Bible, and God says, I will bless those who bless you and curse those who curse you, talking about Israel. I want to bless them, okay? All right, I don't want God against me. So we need to pray for their protection and stand with them. Something stirring, church. Something stirring. You know that, right? Looking around us, it's like, ooh, there it is. So... Man, I've been, around, I've been in the church since I was a kid. I was raised by a pastor and his wife, my mother. I uh, grew up in a parsonage. You know, you already know that I didn't serve God, and I was angry about all that stuff because it was kind of like a, no, it wasn't kind of. We were a legalistic church that put rules on you to be holy instead of letting the Spirit of God do it. So it was messed up. So I got mad at God and all that that happened. But listen to me. I've been in the church. I've heard it. I got saved as a 19, almost 20-year-old young man, gave my life to Christ, fell in love with him, began to study God's word, began to look around me. I attended services, did everything God asked. I preached the word of God, was being obedient to him. I began to look around me in the church, and what I found was the church was ready for it to be over. Since I was a kid, everybody's saying, it's the end, it's the end, it's the end. Everything's bad, everything's evil, everything's wicked. It's all over. And it seemed like the church was just willing to let it end. And it still seems like that in a lot of places to me. It's like we're just saying, ah, so be it. It's over. But you see, God's will is for people to turn to him. God's desire is for people to turn to him, to repent from their evil ways and to turn to the light. And God desires repentance and renewal, and, and he wants to restore and heal and give life. That's God's heart. And so when the church kind of like washes their hands and says like, well, God, you know, your word says it's going to get worse and it's getting worse. So it's all over. Just come and get us, Jesus, and get us out of here because we don't like this place anymore. Then we got a problem. 
See, here's the issue. When God sees the globe, he sees all those lost that are heading to a Christless eternity in hell. And his heart breaks. <laughs> and the heart of God, which he gave to us at Calvary, when he gave his life for us, was for the express purpose of offering a way out of that. <laughs> and people have rejected Christ. Many of the churches have rejected Christ. And we've got this destruction heading towards judgment and heading toward a Christless eternity in hell by their own choosing and rejecting God when he's done everything he can to make a way for us to get out of that. We're heading in that pit, going in that direction. And the church is kind of like, yep, it's a messed up world. We wrote names on that cloth right over there on that cross. We ask God, like, who is it this month that you want me to share Jesus with, pray for? I pray that you are still praying for those names that you wrote on that cloth. If they haven't come to Christ yet, and if they have, you're still praying for them to walk it. But church, listen, when we wrote those names down, and I looked at that, I believe God ordained that. We've had a lot of people come that are on that. That's awesome. I'm praying for all of them, plus... But listen, when I, when I saw those names and I, I looked at that and I was praying over that cloth and asking God about that, if you don't know what I'm talking about, you can talk to me later. But I just want to cover something here. When I saw all the names on there, and then we had one at the Village of Oak Creek, Gospel Rescue Mission, we asked everybody to write that name down. We gave them a week to pray and ask the Holy Spirit to show them. When I saw how many names were on there just from our little church, and then I asked everybody to write one name, God kind of like gave me the reality of Man, is there a lot of lost people. Because I could have filled that sheet up. You could have filled that sheet up. Do you get it? So I'm looking like that, and it's like the majority of people are lost, not saved. The majority of the people are lost, not saved. And that should break our heart, because it does for God. And God's will is for them to repent and to turn to him. And so I look at that, and I'm like, God, we can't give up on praying. We can't give up on sharing. We've got to continue to move forward, but we also want to make sure that we're living it because people are looking at us, and they're not reading their Bible, and they're not seeking to know Jesus. They need to see Jesus, and they need to see him in us. And that's why we've got to live that truth and be that truth so that we can reach those people that don't know him and never heard of him and don't have a hope in this world. There are multitudes of people on their way to hell. It's our call as Christians to live that life, proclaim that truth, and let the world know. If they then choose to go that way, so be it. That's on them. But it's important that you and I share the word of God because it is God's desire that they know him. Man, we know in 2 Peter 3, 8, 9. You guys have heard these verses. You'll hear them again. But you must not forget this one thing, dear friends. A day is like a thousand years to the Lord, and a thousand years is like a day. All right, so God is timeless he's eternal we can't grasp that because our clock is ticking we've got it running down right over our head and pretty soon it's going to go zeros and we're out but see we don't we don't grasp eternity and so as we listen to this verse and we look at it we're like you know the church like i said here we are it's like it's all over i mean all evidence is there the end of time is upon us it's jesus is coming back etc but you know when you look at just the illustration that the Holy Spirit gave Peter to give us a little glimpse of trying to grasp eternity. It's only been two days since Jesus was here. You know what I'm saying? 
right? I mean, two days ago, Jesus was walking on the earth, so to speak, using that illustration. So like when we're all in a hurry for this to be over with, it's only been two days. God may want a third and a fourth and a fifth day. We don't know. We don't know. But in the meanwhile, we're all just kind of huddling in our own little holy groups and saying like, oh, God, come. And he's like, what about all these? But we're saved. It's broken for those lost people. See, this is what he goes on to tell us in that verse right there. The Lord isn't really being slow about his promises, some people think. See, we're so impatient. I'm so impatient. I can tell you right now. No, he is being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to repent. See, we, got it. we, we know the heart of God right now. So like if it goes to day three and day four, it's because God's heart is like, oh, they're lost. And his desire is for them to repent and turn to him. He doesn't want anyone to go to hell. People are going to choose to go there, not God sending them. They will choose to go there by rejecting Jesus. <laughs> When's it going to be too late? Because sooner or later it will be too late. That day will come. Whether it's day two, day three, day four, whatever it is, there's going to be a moment where God says, that's it, we're done. He already showed us that with the flood, right? It says that he grieved his heart. There was only eight people that were even close to living right on the whole planet. But think about it. He didn't do it till then. Do you see how amazingly gracious God is? I mean, think about it. Thank God we have more than eight people here that are serving Jesus. <laughs> okay, so now let's go. Let's see. So when's it going to be too late, Lord? What's it going to happen? Only when the Father says it's enough. Jesus told us this in Mark chapter 13. See, when Jesus gives us glimpses of the end, this is what he tells us, church. Please hear this. However, no one knows the day or hour when these things will happen, not even the angels in heaven or the Son himself. Only the Father knows. So let's just pause for a minute. Let the I got to be careful how I say this because there's so many people that are so into prophecy and they listen to all these people and they're given evidence out of the newspapers every day. Well, there's no newspapers, but online stuff, all the info, they're trying to tie it into scripture saying, oh, this proves it, this proves it. Like, no one knows. And if you're listening to someone that thinks they know, turn it off. They don't know. Amen. They're not above Jesus. They're not above the angels. Only the Father knows. Get off it. Run from those people. They're wrong. They're wrong. Church, do you hear me? They're wrong. God's word says so. No one knows. Only God. So if it's day three or four, God knows. We don't. It could be today. God may say, it's enough. Do it. Blow that trumpet. We're done. Jesus, get them. We don't know. Only the Father knows. Let's see what it says after that, right? So it's an awakening like, whoa, there's a lot of stuff going on, and we can see evidences, but we really don't know. And since you don't know when that time will come, be on guard and stay alert. Oh, I think we 
Just sang a song that said, wake up, sleeper. <laughs> Jesus is like, hey, be on your guard, stay alert. Wake up, dummy. It could happen today. <laughs> oh, Lord, help us. You know, it's, I think that's two weeks in a row I did that little song thing. You're welcome, but that won't happen again. Yeah, all right, all right. Let's... <laughs> All right, so I want to look at something that speaks to where we are today, right, in the Word of God. I've heard this my whole life. You've probably heard it. People are going to use it. You're going to probably, if you listen to prophets, they're going to read this verse to you, I promise you. Anybody that's studying prophecy is going to read these verses to you, and for good reason, right? This says, be on guard, stay alert. We need to pay attention. Listen to what it says. You should know this, Timothy. It's the Apostle Paul writing to the pastor, Timothy, to a leader of a church. In the last days... Days, not the last day, days, there will be very difficult times. Yeah, it's not going to be easy. Hard stuff's going to be happening, right? In the last days. For people will love only themselves and their money. They will be boastful and proud, scoffing at God, disobedient to their parents and ungrateful. They will consider nothing sacred. They will be unloving and unforgiving. They will slander others and have no self-control. They will be cruel and hate what is good. They will betray their friends, be reckless, be puffed up with pride and love pleasure rather than God. They will act religious, but they will reject the power that could make them godly. Stay away from people like that. <laughs> All right, so he's like, in the last days, plural, he's saying, these things are going to be around you. Do you see all those things? Church, I mean, sir, I'm asking a question. Do you not see that happening? I mean, all that stuff's there, right? I mean, it's everywhere. See, it's a part of sin. And we know, because we read Acts chapter 2 not long ago, and we talked about this, that on the day of Pentecost, the prophet Joel is spoken by Peter, saying, in the last days I will pour my spirit on all flesh. That happened. Therefore, at Pentecost, we started the last days. So we've been in two days of the last days, so to speak, 2,000 years, right? In case you missed that last part, that's what we're saying. All right, so we're saying like we're in the last days. God's word said so. So we are in the last days. So that stuff's happening. Okay. There's a lot of other verses, you know this, even that the prior to what Jesus was telling us, like, you know, therefore, because all this stuff you're going to see as signs, be ready and be on guard, stay awake, wake up, all that stuff. So there's a lot of verses and signs around us as evidence of the end. And it could be today. Please hear me. I'm not saying it's not. We're probably not expecting it today. We expect it soon, but not today. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, we really don't expect it today. There'd be a whole lot more worship and repentance going on if we really thought it was today. You know, we think it's soon, but not today. But anyway, we'll go on. What should be our response to all this happening? What, what is the right response as we look in God's word, we look at the world around us, and we see all these things that are there? See, instead of just saying like, yeah, yeah, check, 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 Jesus, it's got, he's coming, and checking all those boxes of, this matches, this matches, this matches. And even if they do, what's it still be our response? Because, see, I look into the Word of God and I see verses that challenge the people of God. 
to stand up in the midst of all that and oppose it. And that God calls us to stand up and God wants to come in and sweep in like a flood and change that darkness in the light. See, I see verses that say that. I see challenges in the word of God that telling us to restore hope because there's hope in Jesus Christ. To restore all that God desires to do. I see verses that say, hey, this is my desire. And I'm like, Lord, help us. Help us. See, most of us have read and heard these words before. And they, one of our church's favorite songs is written on this section of scripture I'm about to read. And uh, I want you to listen now to the heart of this message once again. Because as God was stirring my heart, and he is, <laughs> please church know this, so what I'm preaching to you today is not just like, I got a Sunday done and that was a message, check the box, no. I believe that it is the Holy Spirit that is calling me to preach this word because it is God's desire to see this happen. I believe that. <laughs> so hear it, man. Ezekiel 37, you ready? The Lord took a hold of me, and I was carried away by the Spirit of the Lord into a valley filled with bones. He led me all around among the bones that covered the valley floor. They were scattered everywhere across the ground and were completely dried out. Have you ever come across like the bones of a dead animal anywhere? Like nothing is laying there like in a perfect skeleton, no matter what, because you see the predators have come and eaten and the different things have happened, and so bones are always scattered. I was just up in the mountains a few weeks ago, and as I was, you know, there's a lot of cattle out there, and some of them die, and so when I see pieces, usually there's never a whole skeleton of a cow there, never. There's pieces, because some have been taken over there and over there and over there, but I'm like looking and I can see evidence, oh, that was a cow. So if you think about this, here's Ezekiel, this man of God prophet, and the Lord takes him by the Spirit and leads him, and he's right here now, he's looking at an entire valley filled with bones of humans. Like, get that picture in your head. They're all white. They're dried out. They're laying everywhere. Nothing is assembled. Nothing makes sense, but you can tell they're human by what's there. So here's Ezekiel looking at this, and listen, this is what it goes on. It's, I love this man. Then he asked me, son of man... Can these bones become living people again? Oh, sovereign Lord, you alone know the answer to that. <laughs> I love his response. You see, it's like, whoa. You know, like looking at everything that's dead in front of you, it's like, I, you know God, because I don't have a clue right now, because everything in front of me looks dead, wasted, and over. Right? So I want you to know when you're in that place and you're not sure, don't give God an answer. Just tell him, you know, God, I'm listening. Right? That's a good practice, man. When you're standing there and you're like, I don't have a clue. Then just shut up. Let God answer. That's what he said. Hey, you know, I don't. Here it is. Then he said to me, speak a prophetic message to these bones and say, dry bones. Listen to the word of the Lord. This is what the Sovereign Lord says. Look. Listen to who's saying this. This is God, right? I am going to put breath into you and make you live again. Yeah. I will put flesh and muscles on you, cover you with skin. I will put breath into you, and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. Yeah. All right. 
Check it out. Now listen to what's happening right now. I got chills. I'm like, God's so awesome. Here's Ezekiel looking, and God's like, yeah, that was the right response. You know. He's like, this is what I know. I'm about to do something amazing. I'm going to blow your mind, right? God's like, I'm going to do this. And he's like, this is the message. You're going to speak to that valley of dry bones. And he's like, it's going to be God. It's not you, Ezekiel. You're simply giving the message God is speaking. And when he speaks that message... God says, I'm going to do something. So what's the next thing that happens? The very next verse says, so I spoke this message just as he told me. Obedience, man. There's nothing other than obedience, right? So he didn't didn't say, Ezekiel, make them live. Uh Uh-uh. He said, Ezekiel, you just tell them they're going to live because God said so. And so Ezekiel just stepped up and said, you're going to live because God said so. He spoke God's message. There was nothing on Ezekiel. It was all on God. See how easy that is? It's just simply obeying what he's asking. That's it. Just do it. It doesn't doesn't matter if it makes sense to you or I. It doesn't matter. You may look at it like, ain't no life there. So what? God's the giver of life. Doesn't matter what we think. Let's keep going. So Ezekiel says... I spoke this message just as he told me. Suddenly as I spoke. Isn't that great, man? I love this. You see his act of obedience and God started to move. It wasn't even at the end of the message. Did you hear it? As I spoke, God had the opportunity to start moving. And all of a sudden something started to happen. As I spoke, there was a rattling noise all across the valley. The bones of each body came together and attached themselves as complete skeletons. Yeah, man. I mean, you know, he's still talking. It's happening. Now I've got an army of skeletons in front of me. That's what Ezekiel was looking at. Don't worry about what you're looking at or what it looks like to you. Let God do it. Then as I watched, muscles and flesh formed over the bones. Then skin formed to cover their bodies, but they still had no breath in them. Oh, man, just pause for a second for all of you that watch the zombie movies. This is what's in front of him now. A bunch of lifeless corpses, but they're standing, but they have no life. They look human. They appear to be alive, but they're not alive. So he's looking at all this in front of him. And don't you think he just kind of like was like in awe? I mean, seriously, I'd be in awe. I'm like watching this like, dude, this is amazing. And as I'm speaking God's word, but listen to what it says next. Ezekiel, here's the action steps. You ready, buddy? Then he said to me, speak a prophetic message to the winds, son of man. Speak a prophetic message and say, this is what the sovereign Lord says. You hear who's doing it again? Not you, Ezekiel. It's not about you. It's never about the person. It's always about our God. Always. This is what the sovereign Lord says. Come, O breath, from the four winds, from every direction. Let's get this thing started. Breathe into these dead bodies so they may live again. So I spoke. You hear the obedience again? God gave the message. Oh, yeah, man, let's do this. So I spoke the message as he commanded, and breath came into their bodies. All across the place. Isn't that cool? Do you remember what happened on the day of Pentecost? There was a mighty wind. 
life. Oh, man, is God awesome. They all came to life and stood up on their feet, a great army. Man, is that amazing. Oh, God, let it happen. God, let it happen. We ask that your breath might come into this place and breathe on us, that we might stand up a mighty army, Lord. So I spoke the message he commanded me. Breath came into their bodies. They all came to life and stood up on their feet, a great army. Then he said to me, son of man, these bones represent the people of Israel. They are saying we have become old, dry bones. Our hope is gone. Our nation is finished. Wow, man, is that amazing. Do you hear the words that people were speaking? These were the words God was hearing. God was hearing from his people, it's all over. That's what he just said. He's like, Ezekiel, I want you to, to see this. The dry bones in front of you represent God's people. <laughs> and the people themselves were saying, yeah, it's all over. That's why I'm like, Lord, help me, man. I hear this. I see this. I've heard it all my life. Why are we in the church existing as dry bones and giving up hope? But it was the people saying this. It's all gone. All hope is gone. It's over. Our nation is finished. I love this. You see, God's like, okay, now you saw this incredible thing happen in front of you, dude. Now just listen, because now I want to apply something to you. This is my people. This is what's going down, and he's not over with yet. We're going to continue reading. Therefore, prophesy to them and say, this is what the sovereign Lord says, O my people. I will open your graves of exile and cause you to rise again. Were we singing about that today? Well, maybe. All right, let's do it again. Then I will bring you back to the land of Israel. When this happens, oh my people, you will know that I am the Lord. I will put my spirit in you and you will live again and return to your home, to your own land. Then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken and I have done what I said. Yes, the Lord has spoken. Woo, that's awesome. Yeah, man, church, own it. You see that? He's like, they're not going to even think about you, Ezekiel. He didn't say, Ezekiel, they're going to respond because you're a man of God. No. What he said is they're going to know it was me. I did this, God and God alone. You hear that? You see those signs of revival? It's like when our heart turns to him, God has the opportunity to be God, to do God's stuff, and the results are God amazing. Yeah, man, it's right. Oh, so cool. So you see, listen, it doesn't matter what people are saying. It matters on what God says. Yeah, whoa, come on, man, let's grab that. You see, because all the people were like, oh, it's over. Let's just hide over here and it's, we're done. Our nation's done. Let's just preserve ourselves. And God's like, you know, I hear it. I don't care. I'm God and you're going to see me work. That's why I'm like, ooh, why can't we own this? Why can't the church get ignited and on fire and say, yeah, today's the day. Let's do it, God. Let's see it happen. See, nobody could have done this. Only God. The only way a nation comes back from the ashes is God. The only way you and I come up from the ashes of our own sinful ways is because of God. The only way a church will ever experience revival is because of God. So it's only because of him. So why aren't we calling out to him to see him move like God wants to move? It's his heart. 
It's got to begin with the people of God living like people of God, speaking as people of God, seeking God themselves. So, President Abraham Lincoln, our 16th president, I know that in the schools it's popular to try and change history, and they're trying to tell us we were never a Christian nation, and yada, yada, yada. Listen, I'm just telling you that men of God were in political offices that knew they needed him, and one of them was our president, Abraham Lincoln. In 1863, he gave a speech and proclaimed a national day of prayer and fasting. I want to read this speech to you because of how amazingly appropriate it is for us today. Listen to what it says. It is the duty of nations, as well as of men, to own their dependence upon the overruling power of God and to confess their sins and transgressions in humble sorrow, yet with assured hope that genuine repentance will lead to mercy and pardon and to recognize the sublime truth announced in the Holy Scripture and proven by all history that those whose nations only are blessed, whose God is the Lord. And insomuch as we know that by His divine law, nations, like individuals, are subjected to punishments and chastisement in this world, may we not justly fear that the awful calamity of civil war, which is now desolates the land, may be but a punishment inflicted upon us for our presumptuous sins. To the needful end of our national reformation as a whole people. Did you hear what he just said? He's like, can we not just look around us and see that we are a mess? That the brokenness of our nation could very well be the chastisement of God to put us humbly before him in prayer, to seek his face once again. The God of the Bible, we're not talking about some God or pluralistic gods. He specifically spoke of the God of the Word of God, the one who is God alone. Now, we're not finished yet. you got to listen. We have been the recipients of the choicest bounties of heaven. We have been preserved through these many years in peace and prosperity. We have grown in numbers, wealth, and power as no other nation has ever grown. But we have forgotten God. We have forgotten the gracious hand which has preserved us in peace and multiplied and enriched and strengthened us. And we have vainly imagined in the deceitfulness of our hearts that all these blessings were produced by some superior wisdom and virtue of our own. Intoxicated with unbroken success, we have become too self-sufficient to feel the necessity of redeeming and preserving grace. Too proud to pray to the God that made us. It behooves us then to humble ourselves before the offended power, to confess our national sins, and to pray for clemency and forgiveness. March the 30th, 1863, President Abraham Lincoln. (laughs) See, if you know your history at all, you know that this is smack dab in the middle of the Civil War which started in 1861 and lasted until 1865. In the midst of the chaos of our nation, the bloodiest war that our nation had known between one another, when Jesus himself told us that a nation divided by civil war will fall, the president of our country said, we need God. 
We are in desperate need of God, and we need to repent. And he called on the people. Who was he talking to? People who knew God. To pray and to fast and seek God for forgiveness of the sins of the nation. That God might bring healing and wholeness to our land. Right smack dab in the middle of this mess. And God did it. (laughs) What happens is an awakening of our need of God. Which is why revival, personal and corporate, happens in crisis. See, when we are like what President Lincoln was talking about, as we look in the Bible, we see the signs of that as well. When people are, are blessed and everything is good, we don't need God. It's when we're broken and we recognize our need of God that we humble ourselves before him and like, whoa, God, I need you. You know that old statement is there's no uh, atheist in a foxhole? The reason why that statement is there is because you see, when you're there and the potential for your death comes, you're like, whoa, man, I'm mortal. And there's got to be something. And so we pray. You see, in that crisis moment is when it happens. And so I want to share some statistics with us today to help us, to shake us, church, because when the church is studying Christendom, And specifically here in the United States, we know this, that 83% of all born-again Christians, I I won't hear me, 83% of all born-again Christians, not just people that call themselves Christians, I'm talking about people that have saved, given their life to Christ, living that life. 83% of them came to Christ between the ages of 4 and 14 years of age. 83% between 4 and 14 From 14 to 18, there's only a 14% probability that that child, if they have not made a decision to Christ, will actually make one in those years. You know, those teenage years are some of the most difficult you'll ever experience in your life. You know that, right? We should be always praying for our teens. Seriously. And when you think about that, if they've reached 14 and have never made a commitment to Christ yet and they, they live in that time frame, it's only a 14% probability they will become Christians. That's scary. With every year after the age of 18, so starting at age 19 and progressing forward, the probability of someone becoming a Christian drops dramatically. The older we get, the more hard we become towards what we're doing. And very rarely do people come to faith. As a matter of fact, those 19 years old and above, there's only a 6% chance they'll become a believer. (laughs) In studying the 6% that do, you know, all we got to do is look at stuff, man, and we can learn stuff. As we think about it, you know, the statistics that talked about how revival happens... We know in our own lives, all of us, if you came to Christ as an adult, you know it was through some type of a personal crisis thing in your life of some type. Could be good or bad, whatever. It was still a moment of, oh, right? Okay, so of those 6% that do come to faith, they place their faith in Jesus Christ during one of those personal crisis moments. 
So the reason why we would talk about that, when I think about it, remember the number one thing was national depression, darkness, and morality, and all the dark morality that's out here and all that stuff. People are in crisis everywhere. So I look at this and I'm like, man, there's, there's more evidence because a ton of research is now being done about the COVID-19 years of the pandemic of 2020 and 2021 and how that affected our globe and the people and how those things are happening. There's going to be studies done for years and we know some of it's done damage to people. Okay, but as we look at that, I want you to see this because what it does is it affirms what we already know, what God's word says, what those signs are that lead us to a revival. This is why I'm saying we're right on the edge of it, man. I believe we have the potential for this to happen. So listen to this. This is directly quoted out of a study and uh, research that was done, and it's not a Christian research organization. Organized religion has been on the decline for decades in the United States. Well, we all know that, right? The darkness is there. However, during the COVID-19 pandemic, researchers found that online searches for the word prayer soared to their highest level ever in over 90 countries. Amen. I mean, is God awesome or what? Remember what President Lincoln said? He's like, can we not like look around us and like, oh, this could be that we're jacked up and we need you, God. Could it be? You know, that God's like, you guys need an awakening, man. You need to wake up down there because you're like off in your own little world. You need me. Over 90 countries, people were looking up prayer. Why? Oh, because I need help. See, everybody all of a sudden was in a foxhole. At first, we were told, you're going to die. You can't breathe. Don't be near anyone. You're going to die. So everybody's like, I'm going to die. God, help me. Right? I mean, that's what was going down. So now as we look at that, I'm like, okay, God, we're, we're still there. We're not maybe in a pandemic, but we are suffering the repercussions of a messed up world and the economy and the darkness and the wars and the junk that's going on. And we're like, oh, God, we need you, right? I mean, I hope and pray that's what's happening right now. A 2020 Pew Research study showed that 24% of U.S. adults stated their faith became stronger during the pandemic. That's awesome. That's good news, church. Because we were back here assessing ourselves like, do I really believe what I believe? You know why? Because we're about to die. You better know you believe what you believe because you're going to face God. And so everybody's like, huh, am I ready? Lord, am I ready? Lord, I want to be ready. <laughs> so we got our faith stronger. It's like, I trust you, God. I don't know anything else. Cause, and I'm, please, help. I hope you'll hear me right when I say this, because it's true. They kept changing the rules. They kept saying, this is the way. Oh, no, no, wait a minute. This is the way. Oh, no, wait a minute. So we don't know even what to do. So everybody's like, you know, God, help me. <laughs> it's the only hope we have is him. So here's the point. People in crisis all around you. I'm talking about right now in your life. There are people in your family, people at your work, people in your neighborhood and your community that are in crisis. They are. There's broken relationships. There's broken families. There's abuse. There's drug abuse. There's all of this stuff that's going on, you know? And as you think about that, you know, there's crisis everywhere. So 
Don't try and fix their crisis. Offer them Jesus. You know, I know that we do this out of our heart of love. We try and fix people's problems. But it could be that God wants to use that problem to put them on their face. And so we're trying to fix it. Hmm. I can say this. I, I just didn't want to say the wrong. I don't give money to homeless people, flat out. It's not going to help them. As a matter of fact, it's going to perpetuate their issue. So what I offer them is, do you know about the Gospel Rescue Mission? Do you know about Teen Challenge? Because you see, they need redemption. They need restoration. They need life change. They don't need a dollar. I don't, I don't mean that wrong. I hope you hear me. Because you see, like sometimes we're trying to get people out of their problem by trying to enable them. And we're enabling them. And parents and grandparents, you're the worst ones. As soon as your kid's in trouble, we're like, no, let me protect you and fix that for you. Let them face the consequences. Let them fall on their face. I'm not talking about you being abusive. I'm saying let them deal with the issues in life so that they will recognize they need God. We're always trying to fix it. Whatever it takes. I mean, we want them to go to heaven, so whatever it takes. Right? So when you look around you and see all those crises, by all means, share Jesus with them. Now, I know that they can be offended. So what? So what if they're offended at you? So what? The gospel is offensive. Some people are going to be mad when you share Jesus. Share them anyway. <laughs> they're going to hell. And if we don't share Jesus with them, nobody will. And if they're in crisis, he's their only hope. Therefore, look around you and see there are so many opportunities for us to share Jesus. See, that's I'm telling you, we're on the edge of a possibility of something amazing because everyone's hopeless. Don't be so aggressive at getting out of their current, get them out of their current situation. Just let them sit there for a while. Maybe the best thing for them. They need to suffer a little bit. I don't mean that wrong. I hope you hear my heart. You know, as I look at what God says to us, it's like, you know, yeah, maybe it is me that's letting that happen. Like, yeah, how's that feel? Have you ever got a whipping from God? Let them get one. <laughs> Stop stepping in and taking it for them. Let's use that moment that God has given us. Okay, so y'all know that, you know, our son Dave is going through his cancer stuff, and he had his CT scans on Wednesday, and it didn't come back good. The chemo didn't work. He, uh, they had to move up his surgery. It's going to happen this Friday. I'm, not, I'm telling you this for a reason, right? I'm telling you not because it fits in where we're at. Now, see, he's my son. He's our son, Kim and I, and our heart is broken in the flesh that he's going through this stuff. But you see, it's <laughs> when you're in that place, you're like, what do you have control of? What can you do? Only God, right? Only God. And, and that we dedicated that little guy when he fit in my lap, like he would lay right here. He was our first son. He was my namesake. And now he's a big man. He's his own man. He's got a wife and kids. And he's a man of God. So I know God has him. So I'm like, hey, God, whatever it is, you take care of him. I know you will. 
no matter what. Now, I'm saying no matter what, meaning that whether, <laughs> no matter what, he's yours, I trust you. On the very same day that, I mean, like literally, the doctor called for my wife to tell her, you know, she's still in remission. Three and a half years, she's in remission of cancer. There was, like, literally, she got off the phone. The message came from Christy that Dave's situation was, like, worse, not better. So, like, all these emotions in your flesh, right? You're like, whoa, thank you, God, but, ooh. Yeah, you got no control, right? So here we are. We're in this crisis. We're in a crisis. They're in a crisis. Hey, God, <laughs> here we are. <laughs> So I, I, I want to say this to you. I didn't say this in the last service. Like, since my wife's first diagnosis three and a half years ago of her cancer and all that stuff, and it changed our relationship together and with God. We had a great relationship. I mean, we've been married 40 years. There's got to be something good happening, right? But I want you to know that that changed our relationship. It did. Because, you see, I've always given her to the Lord, but then I had to give her to the Lord. <laughs> like, if you want to take her, she's yours, and I trust you Please leave her. <laughs> but I trust you. I would never want to keep her from what you have for her, but I really want her here. It's okay. I didn't say you can't have her. I had to say you can have her. Same thing as my boy. You know, I'm like, God, you know what it's like. He does know what it's like. And it's like I want to keep him and I want to fix him, but Lord, I also know I can't. He's yours. And so whatever they're dealing with, I mean, I, again, I know he's a man of God. He's a good Christian man. But I also know that there's elements of his life that God is having him surrender. I know that because I know God. I don't know what they are. I don't care. I want my son with me when I'm in heaven. Whatever happens here. Church, I mean, when I look around me and I'm looking at the world and I'm like, God... These people, I want them with me. Would you break our hearts for the lost? Would you let us see them like you see them? Would you give me a glimpse of the reality that they are going at some point to stand before you? I know I'm good, and man, thank God, but I also know they're not. Help me to do my part. That's all. My action steps are these today, church. Are you experiencing a personal crisis, struggling to find hope? I want you to know if you are. If you're online, you're here in the house, anybody. If you're in that crisis moment looking for hope, I want you to know it's Jesus. There is no hope outside of Jesus, period. Seriously, it's not going to happen any other way than through Jesus Christ. And he will restore your hope. He's so amazing. He will bring joy and gladness. I have that. In the midst of all this, I, I want you to know that the peace and the presence of God is so awesome. Like, I'm excited for today, even with a little pain in my heart. You know, you've experienced that. You know what I'm talking about. He's amazing. <laughs> Who around you is going through personal crisis? You know people. You do know them. Pray about what God wants you to do and only do what God wants you to do about their crisis. And I want you to know one of the things is to share Jesus with them at some point in some way. No doubt about that. But ask God how. Ask God when.
See, with the current issues that are happening in our country, and the, you know, you know, I don't even talk about that. There are plenty of people and opportunities for a move of God to happen. Plenty. The last thing I want to share with you in the action steps here is let's pray and seek him to revive us again. Us. Oh, God, revive me. Oh, God, breathe your life in me that I might be the living presence of Jesus in the midst of the darkness, that I might share that light with people that are lost. Would you do that, church? Would we seek him together? The altar's open. Would you stand with me? If you feel the Spirit of God tugging you in any way, shape, or form, I don't care what it is, just move, would you? Would you come to the altar today? Would you come? If you're personally experiencing a crisis, someone you know and you want to intercede for them, whatever it is, just if the Holy Spirit's nudging you, just move. It's okay. Let's be bold about it, man. Oh, God. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Holy Spirit, stir us. Awaken us. <laughs> Wake up your sleeping church. God, stir our hearts. We want to be on the front line. Use us. Bring a revival, God. Personal, family, church, city, state, country, and globe. God, bring a revival. Help us to see, God, this is your heart, that it can happen. It, can, it has happened. It can happen again. Help us not to lose hope. <laughs> oh, God, it's not a coincidence that you gave us the verse for the blessing today that it is... If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, confessing their sins, I will hear from heaven. I will restore them. I will heal their land. Lord, it is not a coincidence. It is a God thing, and we're asking for that to happen. But begin in us, Lord. It's somewhere. Let it be with us. <laughs> Whatever you want, Lord. Whatever it takes. Whatever it takes, Lord. Whatever it takes, Lord. <laughs> In Jesus' name we pray, Lord. Thank you. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. <laughs> Thank you for the hope of Jesus. Thank you, God. <laughs> You're so good, God. Thank you, Lord. We love you, Jesus. Yeah, church, thank you, God. Isn't that amazing? Isn't he awesome? Oh, my goodness, man. So, so good, isn't he? Whew. Take a breath, man. Just breathe that in. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, God. You're so awesome. You are our hope, our only hope. We trust you fully, Jesus. It's in your holy name we pray these things, Lord. Amen. Amen. Thank you, church. God bless you.